0: Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Game Store Profits, the Merry Christmas edition! Uh, as this show comes out, it's a couple of days before Christmas. Still a couple of weeks before Christmas as we're recording it. But as always, I'm Luke Navarro. And I'm Mike Perna. Man, how you doing? Uh, holiday time?
1: I'm doing well. I'm a little bit frustrated right now because apparently the people in our town, or the people who run the town, I should say decided it was a fantastic time to redo the sidewalks in front of our house, which means that I can't get into my driveway, which means I had to lug two weeks' worth of groceries up the street into my house.
0: Hmm. Sounds like fun.
1: I was not pleased with that, and, and I, I made that quite clear.
0: <laughs> well, we are having the rain apocalypse here. Um, California's a week, that's all I have to say. I've, I've I know heard. I'm one, born and bred... But I spent some time in Texas, and once you've lived in Texas, you know what rain is. This stuff—it's just drizzle. Okay? when when cars go sweeping away, that's rain. Yeah. When you cannot ever, when you never see lightning clear from the sky because they're coming so quickly, that's rain.
1: I once saw my buddy float down Main Street. Right <laughs> happened.
0: So, uh, as maybe you can hear, listeners, I have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize for that. I will try really hard not to cough in your ear,
1: and I will really try hard to edit the the times that he does.
0: Uh, I do have my hot beverage, and uh, out of deference to you, I have refrained from the Nyquil until after we're done recording. Woohoo! But you know, this is the uh, this is the end of the year episode for us—the last episode of the year—and uh, according to all traditions of the internet everywhere. We're supposed to do some kind of best of thing this episode. We did it last year. We did. Uh, We do it a little bit differently. We don't count down. We just kind of go through a couple of different categories and give you our best of. But before we do that, do we have any games, stuff like that we want to talk about before we get into the big part of the episode?
1: I will say that everything for me right now revolves around Numenera, though I am excited because I have been talking with the good people at Fun Hill as I kind of tacked on to last episode. Uh, I'm super excited to get a copy of Kings of Israel as I'm going to get sent one. And, yeah. And then, I will tell you what, guys. I intentionally, in the month of December, do not schedule any guests for the podcast. They have stuff to do. I have stuff to do. I I don't go through the hassle of trying to figure out schedules in the middle of the holiday craziness. That being said... Holy crap! I don't I don't have dates for you, but the guests that are gonna have already signed up to be part of
0: next year, fantastic.
1: One of them is you know the designer of of uh, Kings of Israel.
0: That'll be an interesting conversation for sure. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that one.
1: But now everything for me as far as gameplay right now is getting ready for Numenera, which our first session is gonna be next Friday.
0: Now so. we've talked about Numenera a lot. Yes, but over the last several episodes, you've been mentioning this build-up and you're building characters and things like that. But what we haven't talked about is what's Numenera about. Numenera, I, I think we mentioned it once did a we? while.
1: Okay. Well, because yeah, I fake. know we did. I know we did because last year it was my favorite thing added to my collection. But well, yes, but that was last year. <laughs> that was I'm last recently
0: year. Since this new game is uh, fired up.
1: No, no, you are correct. And so I'll, I will give the brief thing. Numenera takes place on Earth. But an Earth a billion years in the future, it is an Earth. That, it is an Earth that has seen the rise and fall of nine separate civilizations, only a couple of which have been human. And it is just it's it's technology to the point that it becomes magic. Uh, the world is covered in nanomachines and there are an entire class of people called nanos who can bend these nano machines to their will you have the entire world has gone back into a single continent and you are just a bunch of people who are trying to discover old technologies and kind of crack the secrets that they hold it's a ton of fun it is a fairly rules light system and it's it, what's intrigues me as a DM, this will be the first time I've DM'd this game. Is the fact that the DM rolls no dice, and that intrigues me to no end. Uh, I love the fact that it gives a lot of freedom of stats because you're not you don't have a list of 25 skills. Uh, a lot of people can be trained in anything that involves positive social interaction. Like that's an actual trained skill in this game. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I have Bluff, but I don't have, you know, some kind of other refined intel- intellect thing. Uh, all stats are either Might, Speed, or Intelligence. And, yeah, it it basically, you tell me what you want to do, I assign a difficulty to it, and then we roll some dice.
0: Nice. I like that kind of on-the-fly thing.
1: Oh, it's it's super simple, and... I highly recommend looking into it. I was really bummed because I would love... They they did a redo of the Kickstarter, which literally ended about six hours ago. And right. the, the number of... It was of, expensive. It was expensive, but it was expensive in a worthwhile way. Right. Like, you were getting so many pretty things, and I wanted all the pretty things. In fact, I actually, uh, on Twitter... I yelled at the designers uh, for making such pretty things when my wallet is so empty. And apparently they, they favorited the tweet, so I'm, I'm going to say right now, if, if they are listening right now, Monty, seriously, I, I will not shut up about how awesome your product is if you send me one. I mean, I'll, I'll do it regardless, because I love it, but it'd be awesomer if you'd send me one. <laughs> nice. Now, Luke, you've been playing a little bit of an app, haven't you?
0: I have. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of gaming, because, you know, again, holidays, uh, busy, and my game night last night was uh, both rained out and flued out. Um, (laughs) I hate when things flew out. Yeah, and it's really not cool to show up to game night sick. Yeah, that's like, way high on the party party foul meter, right, Because you gotta touch stuff, and other people gotta touch stuff, and that's bad. Don't show up sick. But I have been playing an, uh, an app. Uh, I, for those who don't know, I, I don't think I mention it very often, but uh, ours is a Amazon family. We love the Amazon, because I live in the middle of nowhere, and when you live in the middle of nowhere, Amazon Prime is your friend, and when Amazon Prime is your friend, the tablet you choose to buy is the Kindle Fire. The problem with the Kindle Fire is, as great as it is, it does have some limits in terms of the software available. Right? I think anybody who uses Android, I now use an Android phone, knows that there's kind of a bit of a bummer because sometimes things come out on iOS first or only and not on Android. Well, Kindle is like one step beyond that, okay? So I was super surprised to find out that this the app for Suburbia, the Ted Allspot game, is available on Kindle. So I picked it up. And, you know, uh, I enjoy Suburbia. It's okay. Definitely not my favorite game. I think it's very fiddly. Very oh, hard to it, score. It's very uh, fiddly, but it's Very good. hard to keep track of. Uh, as I, I've said before, I really like Castles of Mad King Ludwig way better. <laughs> um, but I do like Suburbia better than Subdivision. So, there you go. Uh, so I started playing on the app. The app has a single-player campaign. And uh, the way the single-player campaign works is it basically gives you scenarios that you're trying to beat, and uh, rather than playing against another opponent, what happens is your your pile of tiles drops by two every time, every turn. So you pick a pile, you play it, two tiles go away, and you have to beat uh, the scenario, you have to to match the uh, whatever the requirements are by the end uh, by the time you run out of tiles. Um, and the requirements are generally things like you need a city of a certain reputation, certain amount of income, uh, and maybe a certain population, that kind of thing. It is so hard. And I don't think of Suburbia as a hard game. Fiddly, but not hard. The challenges in the app make Suburbia an entirely different thing to me. Like, I am, I'm like, I'll play the same level five times because I want to beat that stupid level.
1: <laughs> and um, this machine will not beat me.
0: And it's kind of cool because the levels are actually like, you know, you're playing real places. And so theoretically they're kind of tied to the city. For example, Dallas, since we both lived in Dallas for a while, starts off with the airport really far away and, <laughs> and the downtown. And you have to connect downtown to the airport while still maintaining your reputation or your money or your population or whatever it is. It's impossible.
1: Uh, Can't be done. <laughs>
0: They've been trying for <laughs> 20 years, um, and so super, super fun solitaire game. I haven't tried playing online because I just don't care that much. I love the solitaire version. Like if if I gave Suburbia like a C minus for the you know regular sit around the table and play, this is like a solid B plus for the solitaire version. That said doesn't explain things very well (laughs) (laughs) so if you've never played you're gonna be like what's happening here i don't get it
1: (laughs) this is not Uh, a good way to learn is what you're saying
0: right and the problem is the tutorial in the game teaches the the standard game it doesn't teach the solitaire variant the scenarios and the the solitaire progression variant and so you go through, and, and I just went did the tutorial real quick because I just wanted to see what the interface was, since I played suburbia, I don't know, a bazillion times. Um, and I, yeah, I was still confused. Uh, there, are, there are things that, for example, one of the things that if you're playing the game, you're going to really, really appreciate this, uh, sometimes it will say, you must connect all tiles." Well, in my mind, that just meant every tile needed to have something touching it. But it doesn't. It means you have to physically connect something to each tile, even if there were already two tiles touching. And those kind of things aren't clear. I actually, uh, Ted Ossobock has really kind of explained all of it pretty well on BoardGameGeek. So if you go to the BoardGameGeek forums and be like, what the heck's going on here? He answers all the questions, and that's great. But it's a little annoying the first time you play, and you lose a level because you thought you were doing one thing and you weren't doing another. But that said... Really great. Uh, You know, I'd put it up there with Elder Sign for, uh, like, video game adaptation, iOS adaptation, Android adaptation kind of thing. All right, so are we ready? We ready for the big show?
1: We are definitely ready for the big show. Our lists have been prepared. We are good to go.
0: All right, man. So, first category is the favorite game played first this year. Now, as we've said in the past... One of the tricks about board games is that the release date and the actual get-into-your-hand dates very rarely coincide. Unless, you know, you're super cool and go to Gen Con and stuff like that. But,
1: sometimes sometimes there are years that pass between yes. a game's release and the first time you get to play it.
0: So for those of us uh, who maybe are a little bit more mortal and don't get to go and see all the cool new stuff... Uh, this is the game that we personally played for the first time this year that we enjoyed the most. Now, that could be a game that came out this year, but it doesn't have to be.
1: In, in my case, it actually is a game that came out this year.
0: Okay, so, what? well, we'll start with you then. What is your favorite game played this year?
1: Now, last year, I I said it was Netrunner. Duh. It only seems fitting that I come up with another LCG For my favorite game played this year.
0: Alright, well, I know you've played like three of them, so... That
1: would be Doomtown.
0: I figured. I figured. It seemed like a fairly safe bet.
1: Yeah, Doomtown Reloaded is my favorite game that I've played this year because I just... I love the unique feeling of it. I love the the idea of the fact that your cards not only have the powers that are on the cards, but you can plan on... The poker hands that you can do, and the deck building takes on a whole new level because of that. I love the fact that it's almost a, it's an it's an area control game. It's a tactical game uh, where you're moving your guys about town and making sure they're in the right position. To do. it's not you know a lot of people have have tried to play it as a just kill everything, and it is so easy to get yourself in a terrible position if you just try to kill the other guy's people. It's not just that. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I am rocking the fourth ring right now. I love the fact that the newest Saddlebag came out. I'm looking forward to seeing what else is develops, and I am still making plans to eventually, after hopefully not too many months of Saddlebags have gone by, to make myself what I've referred to as my mission deck, because Doomtown the game that this that this Doomtown is based off of has blessed characters that perform miracles. And there are, pl- are locations in this game that are churches. And I want to make a Law Dog deck full of church folk because, dang it, that's what I want <laughs> so to
0: do. So, full disclosure, I only understood about a third of what you said there. But that's okay. You love it. You're excited. I'm good with that.
1: <laughs> As I admitted... When I first started talking about Doomtown, and pretty much every time I've talked about Doomtown, it, much like Netrunner, has its own language. If you don't know the language, you're kind of lost, but that just means you have to learn it. I, it's a fun, fun game. High, steep learning curve, but well worth the, the learning it.
0: So, for me, <laughs> I've learned a lesson, an important lesson this year, and that is maintain my Board Game Geek games played list.
1: <laughs>
0: because I figure I've played somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 games this year.
1: Well, you, you've you been an active participant in your local game group, so that just makes sense. Yeah, and
0: I've gone to conventions and things like that. So, to be fair, I could be forgetting something. If I did, people who listen to the show probably know better than I do, because, you know, you listen. So, for me, though, I, I think this one was a lock... Uh, and that is a game called Saga. And uh, Saga is a miniatures skirmish game. Everybody who listens to this show knows that my first love is and always will be miniature wargaming. And this game, Saga, besides being set in an awesome setting, which is uh, you know basically England and Northern Europe during the Dark Ages... And actually, the game's called Saga Dark Age Skirmishes. And I get to, you get to play as Vikings and crazy Celt Berserkers and stuff like that. But what I really love about this game is the mechanism of... Uh, it's essentially worker placement. Where each army has a unique set of dice and a unique game board. And you throw the dice... And depending on where you put them on the game board, you have different powers, including getting yourself more dice and things like that. So what it does is it makes each army play out super different, even though statistically, almost all of the armies are pretty well the same. You know, I just love this idea where instead of differentiating armies by their troops, you're differentiating armies by their battle tactics. And the way you can engage those battle tactics is with dice. I love DICE. I love them so much. They are my favorite game mechanic ever. I love throwing lots of them. And uh, so, yeah, far and away, my favorite game that I played this year. Uh, And uh, hopefully we'll get to play a whole bunch more. Uh, Maybe even, uh, uh, maybe join the uh, upcoming uh, tournament at uh, Kubla this year. We'll see.
1: All right, let me introduce the next one. The next one is, favorite game added to your collection. Now, we'd love to say that we own every game that we've raved about. We'd love to say that we have this ever-growing collection of awesomeness that we get to play all the time, but we don't, and we have to be very selective with the games that we add to our collection. This is our chance to, to point out the favorite one either because of just a personal experience that we've had, or just, the, uh, uh, there's something about this that says, I needed to own this one. I don't right. want to just play it. I needed to own this one. So Luke, what is, what is your well,
0: and following And following kind of what you said there, I played Saga for the first time this year. I bought my army this year. I could have made that my favorite added to my collection, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to try as much as possible to avoid doubling up. That said, I love me some dice.
1: Ah, uh, I see where we're going here.
0: <laughs> and so, my favorite game added to my collection this year is Marvel Dice Masters! Because I have so many dice! And they're all cool, and they all mean superheroes, and I can use my superheroes to beat up on my friend's superheroes, and that's great. And yes, I have bought more than I should have. <laughs> Because
1: it, it's the way of it, man.
0: You know, uh, right now we are, let me see, which one was which here? Uh, it started, we're on uncanny X-Men right now. Right. And the first set, the first was one was X-Men versus X-Men Avengers. versus Avengers. And they're really hard to find unless you look on eBay, in which case you can spend $50 on a whole bunch of them. And I might've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may or may not have done this. It's possible. So, man, what uh, what is your favorite game added to your collection this year? I,
1: when I heard about this game, I thought, man, this was going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a fun, light, party sort of game, but not necessarily being a party game, but it just has that vibe, that that social vibe that really gets me going. Uh, when I, I bought it and I brought it home and I, I played it for the first time, that's when I knew that this purchase was the greatest thing ever. Uh, I knew that I knew that I had to have it because I want to pop open little bags. Okay, mine is Sheriff of Nottingham.
0: That's interesting. I was not expecting you to say that, but that's cool.
1: Sheriff of Nottingham got added to this list because, man, I'm so glad that I have it. I'm so, it, the 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 favorite stories that I have from our all day extra life event. Was when we played Sheriff of Nottingham, and none of these guys had ever even play, had ever even heard of it before, because uh, I the only reason I had it was because it was Gen Con. Mm-hmm. I, I got it there, and so the game hadn't even been released. It would be like another week before the game was even released, and to see them pop open the bag and that they they got into the ritual of popping open the bags. It was so great. There was there was one of our one of my friends. She every time she did it, she made sure that when she closed her bag, she did it over her head, just to just to have that thing, that moment, that that uh, that guttural thing that says, "Yes, I'm in this game." And anything that can make you do that, man, I'm so glad that I own it. I'm so glad that I have those stupid little bags. And yeah, I I can't I think, talk enough.
0: I think that really says something though when we both of our decisions. Were really visceral. Oh yeah, it's about I want this stuff as much as I want the game.
1: Yeah, there was actually one criticism that I saw. I believe it was uh, Matt from Shut Up and Sit Down said the problem with, with Sheriff of Nottingham is if this popper ever goes like like gets worn down and it doesn't make that pop, there's this game is gonna lose something. Right. And when I when I first heard that, I go, "Come on, really?" But after playing it now probably about at least a half dozen times since then man I'll tell you what if that popper went dead I'd still I'd still like the game the game is ruined because it wouldn't be there but it would there would be something missing
0: well okay so that's our favorite games added to our collection for me Marvel Dice Masters for Mike uh, is Sheriff of Nottingham our next category is favorite game publisher what company Mike did you think was the best this year
1: now, some people might do this just because it was it did one of the most newsworthy things this year. But I'm not going to do that. I think I considered that as part of my reason why this is my favorite, but I will just say that from the games that I've seen, the games that I've played and and even building on the history of so many games that I own, I had to give it to the guys at Asmodee this year. They just made a ton of just quality games. The artwork is obscenely good in Asmodee games. One of my favorite games that, that they put out this year was Abyss. And now not everybody likes Abyss. A lot of people say it's the most overproduced card game in the world. And and I can get that. But even the people who don't like the game say, man. It's I, pretty. I, I can't stop talking about the artwork. And that's something they do consistently across all their games, and team that up with the news that they have have kind of. I don't know the, the the full details of who bought who and what's what because this is big companies and big companies do this. But the they're they're working with Fantasy Flight Games now. They're pu- they're helping put out that stuff and being the distribu the distributor for that stuff. Man, I I don't know how I could give it to anyone else but asmo day this year. Luke, what about you?
0: Well, uh Mike and I don't get together prior to making these lists, uh, but we got together on this one.
1: You also my, said Asmo Day? Uh,
0: it's Asmo Day. Absolutely. Again, you talked about all of the games they created this year. But, I mean, here's the bottom line is they absorbed two of my favorite game makers this year, Days of Wonder and Fantasy they, Flight.
1: Yes, they did do Days of Wonder um, as well. So,
0: for those of you who don't know, board gaming is it's kind of an interesting business. Because so many of these games are created in far-flung places. And so we have these problems where, you know, there's games that were released in Essen, and we may see them in the United States, we may not. Well, what Asmodee is, Asmodee is uh, a French company, uh, but they have businesses in each of the major gaming sectors. They have one in France, they have one in Germany, they have one in uh, Korea, they have one in Japan... They, and they have uh, Asmodee uh, in the U.S. as well. They own a ton of imprints. Uh, companies that, you know, are out there and they're running, and you never would have known that they were owned by another company. Uh, and this year they picked up two huge ones in Days of Wonder, who produce, basically, Ticket to Ride and... Probably other stuff, but it doesn't matter. because. But it doesn't to matter. It's
1: not Ticket to Ride. <laughs> well, Ticket to Ride and
0: Memoir. And uh, Memoir's huge, too. So uh, And then Fantasy Flight, who would have been my favorite this year. And was probably, really, I think plaid Hat was my favorite last year. But Fantasy Flight would have been my favorite this year. But since they got absorbed into Asmodee, I kind of gave them that one. Oddly um, enough, I, I believe I believe that Fantasy Flight was
1: yours last year.
0: Okay, so maybe Flat Hat was yours, Fantasy Flight was mine, something like yeah, that. Yeah, Flat, Flat Hat was mine last year. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, absolutely, there were a lot of people who you know are naysayers and doomsayers uh, who think this is they're going the way of EA and they're going to turn everything into garbage. But I don't think the board game market is the same as the video game market. I think this is just about getting games to people. And, 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 unlike, thing. and
1: unlike EA, Asmodee has done consistently well with everything they've done, always. Right. And they have always done right by the people who play their games. So, I have absolutely no problem with this happening, because I, I don't think there's going to be any downside to this. I think the companies are still going to get to make the cool things that they make, but they're going to have the backing... Of a lot more capital and a lot more resources that they have now that they wouldn't have had before this,
0: well speaking of e a next time to talk video games is favorite video games now, Mike, I think it's probably fair to say you've played a lot more video games this year than i did
1: i've I've played a significant number of video games, so why
0: don't I jump in first because you, since you have the more uh, informed opinion okay, so this year I did pick up a PlayStation four, and so that has changed my gaming. But that happened fairly late in the year. Uh, the reason I picked up a PlayStation 4 and my game of the year is Shadows of Mordor. Uh, I nice. loved this game. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's The Hobbit meets Ark of Asylum meets Assassin's Creed meets something that's completely different than all of those in the, in the boss system they have in this game. Uh, where each of the the orc army is a kind of living, breathing thing where if somebody kills you, they get higher in rank in their army. They're fighting amongst each other throughout the game, and you can intervene in these fights so that you can get the orcs that you want in charge to be in charge. You can eliminate, you can undermine the strength of the orc army uh, by how you intervene in these battles. Um, and slight spoiler here, eventually you get to a place where you are putting your own people into power, and, uh, so a really cool system, they call it the Nemesis system, and just, uh, it takes open-worldy kind of games, like, say, in Assassin's Creed, where most of what you're doing feels kind of lame, you know, you're just waiting to find the next big guy you're supposed to assassinate, and everything up until that point is just set collection, essentially. Uh this makes each battle feel really, really cool. Um and a great kind of just an awesome situation when you're you're in there, you're fighting with some orcs and all of a sudden all of a sudden a war chief shows up and then another war chief shows up and you're fighting two war chiefs at once and it's super intense and it looks beautiful, it plays super well, uh a whole lot of fun. So Mike, I have a feeling your game's gonna be a little different than mine.
1: Oh, just a touch. Last year, it was fun because last year, everyone and their uncle was saying one game was the greatest game ever. Last year that was Bioshock Infinite, and just like last year, there's another game that is taking over all things video games right now. It's called Destiny, and just like last year, last year I picked a little indie game that, in spite of the fact that few people had played it and everyone was talking about this other thing, I picked Papers, Please. This year, I did not go with Destiny, partly because I haven't played it, and partly because this game that I've picked instead is so gut-punch awesome. <laughs> I picked This War of Mine.
0: A game that I want to play, but don't.
1: Yeah. That, that I think that's the best summation you could ever come up with. This War of Mine has... has Taken It came out super late this year. So that lets you know just how good it is. Because I think it only came out something like three weeks ago? Maybe?
0: Yeah, a month, somewhere in there.
1: Yeah, something along those lines. And even so, I will tell you that it's beaten everything that has come out this year. It is a game where you're taking a small handful of refugees and basically trying to have them survive in the middle of a city under siege this is a city where there are bandits there are people trying to survive just like you there are soldiers that are still kind of occupying the city there there is a ton of stuff that just wants you dead and it is it is painful the even even the the color scheme of this game will it is bleak. It is black and white and very low color, and it'll make you do things. It'll ask you to do stuff that will just try you on every level. It's not really a technically advanced game. It is a 2D game. It is, I, I will say, mechanically, the combat is awful, <laughs> and that's part... That's partly because you shouldn't be getting into fights. You should be avoiding them. But I will also say that it, it the game's been out, like, like we said, maybe a month. I've already logged in 40 hours. I have gotten through the war once. Wow. And, and even then, two of my people died. I'm telling you this game is challenging on a number of levels... And and if you want, at, over at Game Church, they're doing their end of the year games that Jesus loved. Or <laughs> g- games, that Je- games that Jesus would love. And they asked me to do the blurb for this War of Mine. So you can read my thoughts there as well. Awesome. Because I cannot shut up about this game. Alright, so the next one. The next one is kind of fun. We did it last year and... Oddly enough, we were talking about Elder Sign, and Elder Sign, I can't remember which one of us said it, but one of us said Elder Sign. I think I did, because it was just fresh on Steam. It's kind of hard to figure out what we even want to call it.
0: Last year we called it the Best Adaptation.
1: Best Adaptation was last year, but we kind of want to Expand that a tweak little. that, because there's lots of stuff. We, we've, The one that I'm kind of settling on is Favorite Licensed Game.
0: Or franchise. Yeah, franchise is kind of the way I saw it. Because so much of what we like in gaming nowadays crosses the barriers. Right. You know, how many games out there have a video game, a movie, a TV show, a board game, all of those things tied together. You know, I I think one of the prime examples would be Walking Dead. Right. You know, Walking Dead is obviously a TV show to start with. Actually, a comic book to start with. Comic book to start with. A TV show that got its popularity. It, uh... A Telltale type of game. I don't remember if Telltale actually made it or not, but...
1: No, they did. Holy cow, is it, is it awesome. You should check that one out. And
0: uh, now there's a board game, I think, coming. Or maybe it came. I'm not sure. Uh-
1: there, there's, a cra- there's a crappy one that's out already. I think there's tell of a good one that's on okay. its way.
0: Um, so we, uh, we kind of went with franchise. I think this is probably going to be one of the more interesting conversations we have today. It's I mean, possible. I went back and forth on this a lot and ended up deciding that the franchise of the year for me this year is Dungeons & Dragons.
1: Oh, look at you.
0: Well, if you would have asked me this point last year, I would have told you D&D was on the way out. That it was time for everybody to gather around the bedside and hold hands and say our goodbyes because it was going to be no more. Pathfinder was kicking its butt. Uh, Let's be honest here. Fourth edition D&D was a miniatures battle game. right? And frankly, there's a lot of board games that did a better job. Okay, oh, yeah. I'm going to say Descent was better than D&D
1: 4.0. If you didn't, I was gonna. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: Mice and Mystics, better than D&D 4.0. The D&D board games, better <laughs> than D&D 4.0. Because what 4.0 was, was that kind of that board game-esque Without a board, obviously, you had to create your own. But, you know, a miniatures game where you're moving around on squares. But it was so overcomplicated because it had all of the abilities and whatnot laid in that it ended up being clunky. Well, I don't know. They, They saw the light. They were redeemed and came back this year and said, You know what? All that garbage, gone! We're going back to the roots and starting over again with a great role-playing system. That said, if you want to play tabletop miniatures, they've got two really awesome tabletop miniatures games now, too. Okay, They have the D&D miniatures game, and they have Dungeons & Dragons Attack Wing.
1: The Attack Wing does look glorious. Because it's
0: dragons! Big ol' honking awesome dragons! If you guys love the Star Wars miniatures, by the way, have you ever noticed that when you go to Cool Stuff Inc., those Star Wars miniatures for Star Wars uh, for X Wing are always on the top selling list? Well, yeah. Who's buying all of these? Who's got the money for all of these? But I guess people do. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so now there's dragons, and they're integrating now so that there are going to be land. You now you're going to have to have the wizards and giants and trolls and. Things like that that fight with the dragons and that is pretty awesome. But but really first and foremost, the fact that they resurrected the the gaming, you know, the heart and soul of gaming this year. They they saved the thing, and for that I think they get franchise of the year.
1: Yeah, we without doubt, we we required certain things of them we said if D&D is going to come back it needs to do this and it did it did all of them it did it gave us everything that we asked for and so we have to acknowledge the fact that yeah they they did it not only that when when they first started announcing that they were going to stagger out the core books i was be like i'm definitely getting the players handbook i'll probably get the monsters and I'm not even gonna get the DM. I I've been DMing for so long, I have no desire to, to spend that money. Then they they came out with a DM guide that had tables that helped you build towns and build dungeons and craft NPCs and I'm like, Oh sweet lord, I'm gonna have to buy that too. I
0: mean, it's to me, you know what it reminds me most of? Is the old like cobalt magazine. Oh, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. And I loved those so much. You know, that, that article in Kobold that was like, okay, you need to put together a thieves syndicate. Here's some dice ta- tables and rolls and stuff, and you can make this crazy syndicate that's going to, you know, fill your next game. I love it. Love it. Or you need to create the culture for bugbears. Okay, sweet. <laughs> you know, let's do it. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, to me, they've brought back just the love and the heart and the soul and the imagination in the game, and even the little bit we've played together on Inroads Plays has, I think, really brought that out.
1: Um, I, I agree completely, and I will say, and and this is kind of the the reasoning behind the way we did and the characters we rolled for that. And I, I think we said it, but I want to just be very intentional about saying it now. The game we're playing on the inroads plays. You don't even need to buy a book for it.
0: Amazing, we are, right? Amazing. We are
1: intentionally. We are intentionally building those characters and putting that stuff together through the basic rules that you can download for free. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have played a cleric. I've played enough clerics in my
0: game. <laughs> but I forgot about but, that. They they gave away D anD D basic, right? You know, I. I all of the mess it was, D&D 4, um, and they fixed it, man.
1: They fixed it very well. And I would
0: just like to say, I blew a cricket across the battlefield. That's all there is to say.
1: And put two dudes to sleep.
0: <laughs> three, technically. Two bad, guys. Technically. One, one semi-good one
1: guy. Was on, yeah, one, one was on our side. <laughs> sort of. But anyway, check out episode three. <laughs>
0: Uh, So, Uh, what was your favorite game-licensed franchise thing this year?
1: You know, there's part of me that didn't want to do this, and I'm basically relying on good faith with Fantasy Flight for this one. That's why I didn't do it. No, no, I'm not even going with the one you're probably thinking. Okay. Because the one you're probably thinking is Imperial Assault. I am. No, that one is not set... ...to really go yet. There's one that they've promised... ...they have made declarations... ...that it will be available for Christmas... ...and they're really... ...really, really hitting the, the... ...the last minute on there... ...but they've they've made promises that this will happen... ...thus I had to just say... ...you know what, I've seen it, I've looked at it... ...I didn't get a chance to play it... ...but I got to watch this in action... ...and it was enough for me to say... ...if you promise me Fantasy Flight... ...that this is coming out at the end of the year... I have to give this, this particular award to you. That would be XCOM. Really? No, Luke. Not really. Hi, guys. Feature Mike here. See, when we recorded this one, reports were showing that Imperial Assault was going to be coming out during the first quarter of 2015, while XCOM was going to be set to be released just in time for Christmas in late 2014. This, it appears, was a falsehood. As I'm putting together the edit for this episode, XCOM has been pushed the beginning of next year and Imperial Assault is actually currently available. So let's just forget that I'm not going with what you're thinking I'm going to go with and say, yeah, you called it, Luke. I'm going with Star Wars Imperial Assault. For those familiar with the game Descent that Luke and I referenced earlier, Imperial Assault works in a very similar fashion. It's a dungeon crawler where one or more players take on the role of the Rebels, while another player takes control of malicious Empire forces. This game looks awesome. It looks a ton of fun for anyone who's a fan of the Star Wars franchise and they're adding new stuff all the time, like campaign books and uh, lieutenants and other stuff like similar to what they do for descent. I'll tell you what, it's worthwhile for if nothing else, you should get it for the ridiculously impressive ATST Walker miniature. That alone is worth your time. After I was going to be talking about XCOM, Luke and I kind of bantered back and forth a little bit about Imperial Assault, so I figured I should probably just let us get back to talking to that, rather than me blather on for a while. So, enjoy.
0: Awesome. So I kind of have to throw another one in there. <laughs> Alright. We gotta talk Star Wars.
1: Oh, it, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Okay. Like I said ATST. ATST. All X Wing
0: is the top seller all the time. They just keep cranking out amazing stuff. <clears throat> like I would buy it just to buy it if I had the money. Armada is gorgeous.
1: Oh, Armada's gonna be impressive.
0: Imperial Assault may or may not be here by year's end. It's hard to say. But then we cross the lines on Star Wars. We've got the the trailer for the new movie, or the teaser, I guess, not a trailer, but have we talked about Star Wars Rebels on this show? No, we haven't. Oh my goodness. I love Star Wars Rebels. If you don't know, Star Wars Rebels is a TV show. It's on one of Disney's 17 different channels. I don't know which one. (laughs) Just look it up. Um, But it's set about 20 years after episode 3, um, maybe 10 years, somewhere in there, but in that vague space between the bad movies and A New Hope, and uh, it follows the crew of a ship called the Ghost as they uh, work at the very beginnings of the Rebellion, and they get Star Wars right. I mean, the the feel of Star Wars from when you were a kid, they nail it. Nail it. And, uh, you know, yes, it is a little derivative of A New Hope, but that's okay. The storytelling is great. The characters are great. Uh, I love the fact that my children are super into Star Wars now because of this mo- this TV show. I'm like jones in because there's not anything in November and December that there was a cliffhanger and, and then doesn't start again until beginning of January. Um, if you have not seen Star Wars Rebels and you are anything a Star Wars fan you owe it to yourself go find it, I'm sure it's available online watch the thing, you will love it
1: and I will also just throw out they're done with it because they're throwing their hat all in with Rebels as far as I know but Clone Wars was also an amazing TV show. I
0: liked Clone Wars this is better
1: I will take your word for it because I haven't
0: seen it yet Alright, so, we have come to the moment, the uh, the last category of the day, and that is, of course, Game of the Year. That is a game that came out this year that we think is the best game this year, whether or not we had a chance to play it.
1: Yeah, we need not have any first-hand knowledge, but just because of the hype, the the game-changing nature of the game, uh, just, there's something about it that... that just made us give this award out. Uh, a game that has pretty much changed the way we view gaming some in some way, shape, or form.
0: Alright, so, when we started talking about this, we, we had a brief conversation. We didn't want to tell each other what our games of the years were. Of course, we wanted to reveal that live on the show. That said, um, you had a much more positive outlook on this year than I did. It is not that I had a negative outlook on this year, but I didn't think that there was anything super revolutionary that happened this year. I think it was a good, solid year. Um, but I, and also, to me, there didn't seem to be the giant frontrunners that there were last year, the, the Cavernas of last year. Um, so I'm interested to see what you have to say about the game of the year, and maybe throw out some of the things that you thought could fit into the category.
1: Well, there were a couple that I thought about. Um, one of them, just for the, the the integration and the fact that this this game kind of represents, as much as I just proclaimed the glories of XCOM, this there was a game that I thought of called Golem Arcana, and I almost gave it to that because of the fact that it pretty much represents the integration of the electronic with the board. Which I think a lot of games are going to do. Right. So whenever you're the front runner on something, you should. There's there's something to be pointed out for that.
0: Well, and I think Alchemist is kind of. Whereas you know, Golem Arcana was kind of it was there, but not nobody really liked it that much. Right. People really seem to like Alchemists.
1: Right, and and that also played into a fact that that Golem Arcana was. And, and don't get me wrong, the miniatures are fantastic. I've seen them in all their glory, and holy cow, are they gorgeous. But everybody I talked to who played it pretty much said, it's a really neat idea, but basically it's a mini-game, it's a miniatures game with an app. And so I I couldn't go that way. The game that I picked, and yes... Just before anybody says it, before I get comments about the fact that I'm a Plaid Hat fanboy, yes, we all know I'm a Plaid Hat fanboy. We could have seen this coming. The Crossroads system is fantastic, so I had to give it to Dead of Winter. Okay. The Crossroads system, for those of you who might not know, we've mentioned it a couple times already. Heck, a good portion of you have probably played this game because, quite frankly, it's sold out everywhere. <laughs> they haven't even come. They at one point I saw somebody uh, tweet out a picture. I found one in the wild. I wonder how long it'll last. Like, this game was flying off shelves. And it's because of the fact that it has this really interesting mechanic. Uh, it, it's a fun game. It's a survival game. It's a strategy game. It's a bluffing game. All rolled into one. But the, th- the Crossroads cards are what gave... What, what What brought this award home for me. Because it it makes you always intrigued by the game. You are always just neck deep in what's happening. You can't look away. You can't grab your phone. You can't, you know, ask somebody to pour you a Mountain Dew because you have a card that if so-and-so walks into this location, this thing happens. And then what decision do you make based on what's on that card? If so-and-so goes into this place, they hear a plane and that does oh my goodness i love the fact that it 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 makes you always involved but not in a tedious painful kind of way in an active participation kind of way so that the game just draws you in with the theme and the story i i i couldn't give it to anything other than dead of winter plat hat has has killed it with this one and if I don't get Dead of Winter, I will definitely pick up another game that uses this system.
0: Very cool. I I, I find it hard to argue with you, other than that's just not my kind of game.
1: Right. And and see, I think that that's also a point as to why I made it Game of the Year, because even people who don't necessarily play this kind of game still go, "Wow, that's a really cool idea."
0: Um. Uh, well, and I think it really does uh, show. Uh, something that we we don't talk about all the time on this show, but we do try to mention every now and again, and that is the importance of knowing your reviewers. Right. Um, to know what it is that we like, how, what kind of games we like, what kind of games vibe with us. To me, I love simple games that are kind of straightforward and tactical. And so for me, the game of the year, by far, was Imperial Settlers.
1: Yep, I would have been surprised if it was anything else.
0: Um It's just a super simple game.
1: I I will be, I will, you know, to be fair, I I almost had you say Five Tribes was going to do it.
0: You know, I enjoy Five Tribes, and I've actually played Five Tribes more than I've played Imperial Settlers. For me, Five Tribes is just a hair too much on the simple side, without the tactical. It's one of those games where you can't plan ahead. You have to make the decision on your turn. Because... The moves change the board so much. You have to make the decision as it happens. Um, What I loved about Imperial Settlers was this idea that you are building uh, a really strong engine to get to where you want to go. And yet, each of the cards has enough variability. Each of the factions has enough variability. And it takes some of the concepts from much more complicated type of games, and brings them down, puts them on cards, so, you know, cards almost force it to be simplified a little bit, and streamlines it really nice, and you know, I love that. I love games where there are very clear, very streamlined goals, and yet, you need to have tactical awareness, or you will lose. Um, And so for me, definitely Imperial Settlers. I hope we see lots and lots more, uh, in terms of expansions for that game. And, uh, super fun. Uh, just exactly my thing.
1: Yeah, that, the, just to hear you talk about Imperial Settlers and the experience you had, like I said, I'd have been surprised if it was anything other than that.
0: Yeah, you know, and again, it's, it's hard to think that there could have been something at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, it's always, a, it's sort of unfair. It's like, we should do these once a quarter or something like that, you know, <laughs> uh, because the, the cults of the new, and really just, it's, it's just what is most in our awareness. Um, but to be fair, it's because of Gen Con, right? Oh, yeah. The big stuff tends to come out there, and uh, the that's why we kind of continue with it. But I will say that uh, for me, it was a good year of gaming, a really solid year of gaming. Uh, play, got to play a lot of games, got to add a few to my collection. Um, but uh, I think I gamed wider this year than I have uh, in most other years. Uh, in part because of the show, and so that uh, that that's cool. It gave me some opportunities, and boy, I, I didn't even begin to think about what next year is going to be bringing along uh, <laughs> for this show and for Inroads Ministries. Um, a lot to have come, a uh, lot happening, a lot coming, and uh, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, just just kind of looking over the past year, and you realize that this time last year, uh, Inroads was a month old. We'd only been doing it for a month, and even then, it, I don't even know if it was necessarily a full month. Yeah. I think it was like mid to late November. Like it was a domain July. name,
0: maybe. I don't even know if it was right. a domain name. It was just like, you know, a thing we came up with.
1: Yeah, and and to say that now, uh, we're we're our paperwork's mostly submitted, if not entirely submitted. We're just waiting on on results from that to get you know become an LLC and a 501c3 and for those of you who don't know what any of that does what it means is is that we're going to be able to do stuff as an entity. Inroads is going to be a thing in more than the minds of just us. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's going to open up a lot of doors. Well we definitely and the,
0: we want to do everything correctly. Right. And that takes time and energy and money and people and uh, by the way thank you people all of the people who are connected to Inroads obviously the listeners as well, but man, so many people gave their time this year. Um, and just super thankful for that.
1: No, I, I, there's so many to thank and I, I don't want to go through the whole list only because of the fact that there are so many of them. I don't want to short anybody.
0: Episode 100 is coming soon.
1: Yeah. And in episode 100, we're going to try and get back as many people as we can. Uh, obviously schedules being what they are, we got to work with that, but we're going to try and at least, at bare minimum, hear from people. Like I'm, I, I'm at this point. I'm telling people if you can't, if we can't schedule a time, just send us something right. because we want to hear what all the people who have been on our site before, all the people who like who we want to get contributors who have, who have written for the site. Uh, we're even trying to nail down some times with some of our regular regulars, right. uh, the people who have been with us since the very beginnings of Game Store and uh, have a couple words with them. You know what? And if you're air.
0: listening and you've been listening forever and you like this show, send us something. Go to com. click on the contact thing, record yourself saying how amazing this show is, and send it to us. You could also record yourself saying how terrible the show is. We probably won't put it on the air. but We probably
1: won't put that in know. episode 100. It'd be interesting. But, but yeah, no. It it really has been just an incredible year. And I know that's, that... It's this is the last episode of the year people say stuff like that just because you say stuff like that I'm continually blown away by the fact that this is going the way it's going, the fact that I can say that we've had game designers that now follow us and are excited about what we're doing, the fact that I have uh, you're going to be playing Dice Masters with a missionary in Germany, uh, Jacob I swear I'm going to make that happen uh, the the fact that i i mean uh i'm just i'm i'm literally blown away by the fact that all this is happening and the fact that we've got so much that it's just like on the cusp right. that that's the waiting. that's
0: the thing that blows my mind is. yeah
1: we're we're on the verge of unleashing so much stuff like right now uh we're all about the website and the content there and that's always going to be a part of it as far as i know but uh there's so much stuff that is just waiting for that door to be opened and we're like approaching those doors and i'm i'm super excited just to see what happens when when god says all right boys take a look and just go ahead um i'm expecting uh it, the way it feels uh, here here we go i don't want to spend too much time cuz we're we're pushing the the boundary lines but it's the end of the year episode i think we should do that <laughs> I will say, that to give you the illustration of what I feel like, I'll have to do a little bit of movie trivia. Because if you've ever seen the old Gene Wilder Willy Wonka, when he opens the door to the Chocolate Factory for the first time, this is the movie trivia part. They intentionally did not let the actors see inside the Chocolate Factory until that moment. That, that world of amazingness and the candy and the chocolate waterfalls and the boat and the Oompa Loompas and all that stuff, none of them had ever seen it until that moment when that door opened. So the, the awe and wonder in the kids' eyes and the even the, the adults that were there, just the absolute joy that felt... That was because they were seeing it for the first time, too. And I feel like we're at the door... Uh, Mr. Wonka has put in the keys to open the door, but he just hasn't opened it yet. And I cannot wait, cannot wait for that door to open so that we can start running through this stuff, because, man, I'm excited.
0: Awesome. So, folks, thank you for hanging out with us uh, for another year. I hope you'll be with us for a year to come. And then remember that God is a game master no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.